everyone, and welcome to Talent Talks. I'm Rob Adams. In this episode, we're excited to be joined by Chris Beckage, VP of Business Development at Procom, a leader with over 25 years in talent acquisition. Today, Chris will discuss the future trends in the IT talent acquisition landscape. Chris, welcome to the show. Great to see you. How are you? Great, Rob. Nice to see you. All right, let's dive right in. I know you've got a lot of information to share, so away we go. Chris, what is motivating and attracting top talent into changing roles and opportunities? Good question, Rob. As we speak today, one of the primary things they're looking at is company stability. As you've uh, all read and heard in the last uh, 60 days, a lot of big name companies have been downsizing, laying off employees. So company or employees that are looking to change jobs are really focusing on what is your company stability financially, workforce forecasting wise. So they're asking a lot more questions about that. And what I'm challenging companies to do is, is be transparent. If they have some challenges, discuss them, talk about the opportunities that they're going to do to fix those or what this job that they're hiring for can help resolve that. The other things that come into play are, are kind of the obvious ones. Uh, competitive compensation and benefits is always near the top. Surprisingly, it's not the top thing anymore. It's the company stability. Um, career development and advancement is another one that is often focused on is my current employer has taken me so far. They don't have the upskilling, reskilling programs, or I'm not learning new skills or technologies. So they're coming, they're going to the market to say, I want to get from point A to point B. Can this company help me do that? The, the one interesting note there also, Rob, is um, some companies are encouraging people to leave. Like we we don't have the program to do take you from where you want to go. Mm. So go, go, go out, go external and seek that opportunity and we'll stay in touch. And, you know, it's called a boomerang employee, which I'll, I'll talk about later in this uh, um, podcast, but it's, it's becoming more and more one of the interesting fads. Other things that are important is the, the schedule flexibility. And we know, we all know the last three years has taught us how to work remote. Um, I think hybrid is the norm. And when you are going in the office, what we're encouraging people we work with is to have collaboration days. And what I mean by that is you come in, let's just say it's every Wednesday, it's, a, it's an agenda where you're going to meet with your peers, your supervisors or coaches, potentially your clients, and have a very productive day in person collaborating versus uh, going in the office and being on Zoom calls. There's really no point for that. <laughs> yeah, um, no question. Other things that we're seeing, and especially when we get to the younger generations, is meaningful work. Um, you know, 20 years ago, that was a hot topic. It's kind of come back around where... Um, Gen Z is really demanding it and they're bringing up an interview process. It's, you know, how are they valued? Um, not, not recognition, but how are they valued? What are, what are they, what is it that they're doing that matters to the company, to the community, to the external world? Um, and then the last one that we see a lot of is the voice. Uh, I, I get a chuckle out of this. Uh, I'm, I'm in my forties and, um, a lot of people of forties and older complain about the workforce coming out having a voice, but we raise these kids. This is how we raised our children to have a voice. They enter the workplace and we get a little frustrated with them, but there it's, it's something we all should be looking for. Who, who wants to work for an employer that, you know, just tells you everything to do without giving you an input. And, yeah. um, the way we work today is that way. I want to have my voice heard. It, it, it can't be a suggestion box in the corner. It's it's literally every month, how are we seeking out opinions? And I can tell you at our organization, about every other month, we go to the staff and say, you know, what should we start doing, stop doing, and continuing doing? And it's really interesting feedback to get that. And it's something I encourage all companies to do. Yeah, de- definitely have to have a voice. I, I agree. And And you mentioned the pandemic, and that leads me into my next question, which is how has the pandemic and other macro trends impacted talent acquisition and retention in the last year? 
Yeah, sure, Rob. I, I think what I would start with is what, what we call the great reassessment. You know, employees have reevaluated their priorities. Uh, these include things such as childcare, schooling. You know, one of my issues is uh, busing or getting my kids to school every day. Yeah. You know, if you go back pre-pandemic, that would be a stressful point because you had to be in the office at eight, but I got to drop them off at eight. Um, they're putting, they're no longer putting work over their personal matters. Um, I remember back in the day, you know, my kid had a, a game at four o'clock. Oh my God, can I leave early to see this? And it was a negotiation. And uh, those days are kind of ending. Now, of course, if there's an urgent business matter, you need to be present. But what we've really discovered is our workday has changed to where you can modify to allow yourself to do those things or do, I have staff that does yoga at noon. And as long as it's not interfering work, I encourage them to do that. Um the focus on mental and physical health is also there too. You, you don't want people uh, really stressing out and, and leaving because of that. So we're, we're seeing more and more employers and employees asking for that type of program and uh, dur- during the work day. The obvious thing that happened in the last uh, two years too is the um, shift to an, uh, an employee market happened. So uh, when the pandemic occurred, um, there's an employer market or, or a candidate market. It became a candidate market where you saw salaries skyrocket, people shifting jobs quickly, getting bigger compensation packages. However, what we've seen in 2023 is kind of a shift back in um, some of the higher level jobs are still what I call candidate or employee focused. Uh, some of the higher level IT jobs or any uh, niche jobs and other skill sets. Um, but many of the other jobs um, are, are coming back to what, you know, leveling the playing field. Um, and that's where I think some of this downsizing is happening. People overhired, uh, paid too much, and you know, we had some staff leave us for double double the base. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, I didn't. I, I I'm like, you got to go. I can't afford to pay you that base. But it, is it really long term? Yeah. Um, the other thing is, um, Rob, is that how we acquire talent. And, you know, I'm doing a lot of presentations on this right now. Is I go back, and one of the analogies I give is you go back 20 years ago. Um, I think you and I are similar age. We remember going to Blockbuster using VCRs, DVD players. That was the way we we did things, and we Absolutely. loved it. Absolutely. <laughs> But today, what do we do? We, we stream, right? No one's using a VCR or DVD, maybe a DVD player here and there. Um, but the hiring process for money is, is still that way. You, you have very long job descriptions with essential duties being 10, 12 bullet points, uh, minimum qualifications being 10, 12 bullet points. And it's really um, turning people away. If I were to show you some of those job descriptions and, and see your body language, the first thing is kind of one of like, like disgust, like, Oh my God, look at all that stuff there. <laughs> and what that's, what's that doing is it's eliminating the candidate pool. And, uh, the focus now is shifting to skills based and candidate centric job models. Um, this is inclusive job descriptions. Um, with the sensitivity of everything now, we had to stop using words like assertive and aggressive. Got to use words like they and them. And we also should be, what I get a kick out of is you see a lot of people say, I want someone from a top 25 school. Well, what does that mean? Yeah. Um, top 25 is very generic term, but often it, it goes to like, I want someone from an Ivy League school. Well, that eliminates a heck of a lot of people. And I saw a quote and I, I don't recall the source of this, but it, it's something I, I really want to share with you is women tend to apply to jobs only when they meet 100% of the job requirements, while men will apply if they meet 60%. Similar gaps exist for people of color or disability. Very powerful statement there when yes. you have these outdated job descriptions with 25 bullets. Um, and I think, you know, being a man is, you know, we look at it and say, um, ah, I'll take a shot at it. You know, I have half the skill set. Let's see what happens where a lot of people don't even apply because you're, you're they feel like they're never going to get a, get an interview. So th- those are things that we work with people on is how do you, the markets change from an employer centric model to a candidate centric model. You have to talk to in the candidates terms. Um, the other thing that I challenge people on Rob is why should someone work for you? 
And often what I get there is, well, we've been in business for 40 years. Uh, we're a $1 billion company. <clears throat> Those are great facts, but part of me says, so what? And what, sure. what, what I've discovered in, in working in this industry for 20 some 20 plus years is job seekers are looking for the, there's seven things they're looking for when they're looking for work. And I'll, I'll watch your body language as I say this is, uh, number one is, uh, disruption. And you think of disruption as what Uber, Amazon, Netflix did to the way we, we run our lives. Um, you look at Amazon, for example, you know, 20 years ago, we shopped at the mall. Now we click a button and within a day, the product's sitting at your door. Sure. Uh, company growth is the next one. I want to work for a company that's growing, um, moving with the times, et cetera. Number three is career growth. You know, how do I get to the next stage or and do what I want to do? I already talked about voice. Uh, one of the interesting ones that I've been asked more the last year is what is your purpose? And at first I was a little taken back by that because I never asked that question when I entered the workforce in the nineties, it was, I was just happy to have a job. But now what we're seeing is people are saying because they had the, the flexibility of working from home and what's important in their life is they want to know why you exist, you know, for, for the company, for the community, um, if it's a, a, a mission, a vision, and you got to be prepared to answer that. Yeah. And, you know, I get asked that question. I say to them, well, Procom exists for two reasons. One is to get, you know, connect people to meaningful work which is jobs. And for the companies we work with, the meaningful work is getting stuff done for them, hiring employees to get their projects done. And then the last thing that's really changed is um, culture is, is one of the big things that we're looking for, but culture isn't dress code. It's it's more about how are you coaching, or I'm sorry, I might've said culture before. Culture is now how you coach employees, onboard them and, and, and develop them. That's really what people are looking for under those models. Culture, right, next time that list, culture comes up a lot on this podcast, so I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah, and culture is an over over overused term because it's a, it's it's very high level. What does it mean? And what I'm sure. saying to companies now is the culture. What people are looking for is how do you coach? How do you onboard? How do you develop? Not what's the dress code? Having um, game systems in there, sleep pods. Those are all things that were trendy for a long time. Um, people aren't in the office like they used to be anymore, so. In a digital world, how are you coaching and developing people and engaging them? And it's really a shift there that a lot of companies have to focus on. A um, couple other things I want to talk about here is the interview cycle is um, you go back 20 years ago, you were looking for a job. It'd be two to three months before you started the process till you finally started. Now we're encouraging people to have it done in under 30 days. Make it a priority. For most jobs, you can do it in two to three interviews. For senior level jobs, maybe three to five. Can you make that commitment? Can your can your staff internally prioritize filling the job? Because you, when they come to me, it's like I needed this yesterday, and then I say, "Hey, Rob, when can you interview?" And it's like, "Oh, two weeks from now." <laughs> well, when I get someone that's a passive job seeker that's interested today, they want to talk today or tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. So that level level of urgency has to be there. And then uh, obviously the big thing that changed too is um, with the pandemic, with people working more remote is your geography changed. So when you're recruiting now, you used to just recruit in your local marketplace because people had to come in the office. Obviously now is, you know, wherever you want to live or the mobility is a big factor. Um, what you're seeing in the last six months is some need to come in the office at some cadence where whether it's once a month, once a week. Um, so there are some restrictions there, but for many, many companies, what you're seeing now is go live your lifestyle. If you're a ski nut, go live in, in Vail and uh, just work the hours you need to, and um, that's fine with us. You hit on a lot. Let's look into the future. How do you think it will be? It will continue to be impacted in the future. What's coming ahead? Well, I think the number one thing that you still see is um, there's labor shortages. 
So the pursuit of non-traditional candidates is is really important today. And and that's where I go back to the skills-based job descriptions, the candidate-central models to say, you know, no, no offense to colleges, universities, because I, I have a master's degree and it was an accomplishment. But for many jobs out there, we're restricting candidates because they don't, they, they, they don't, they don't have the degree. And a, an example I would give you, Rob, is, you know, I hire, we have recruiters and salespeople. When I started here, we removed that requirement. Um, we've hired some people that don't have a degree that are excellent employees and we would not have interviewed them before because of that requirement. Wow. So I challenge companies to look at that and say, is it absolutely important? And you look at many people that are in their 40s, 50s, 60s working that have a degree. Was their degree in what they're doing today? Often it's not. So right. it's great. It's a great accomplishment. I'm not downplaying education because it is important. I'm just challenging people to say you're having labor shortages. This, this is a way to, to increase the candidate pool and change perception. The other thing is a true shift to DE&I. You know, people talk about it, but you know, are you truly committed to doing that? Are you, are you doing unconscious bias training in your organization? And the reality is we all make assumptions, whether they're right or wrong. When we meet someone, we see a piece of paper. So how do you train people to remove those biases to be um, opening the Canada pool to the Ferris process? One area that's of interest that we're focusing in the IT spectrum or IT arena is uh, neurodiverse candidates. Um, those are those, there's some stats out there. 80% of those people are underemployed or not employed. Uh, these are people on the spectrum with uh, like autism, ADHD, other other um, neurodiverse conditions. What we're finding is that they're very, very good at uh, analyst jobs, uh, data security, um, things in detail. So we're having success getting employers to look at that differently and hire those folks. But they have to understand the interview process, the onboarding process, and the development process is much different. And if they're willing to make that commitment investment, they open their candidate pool significantly and bringing great talent. And, and frankly, they're also just doing the right thing. Yeah. So um, that's that. those are two things we're seeing a lot of push for. And then when we get to the candidate market, how we're focusing on, on improving that candidate pool is number one, internal mobility. People, you spend all this time and money to bring someone in the organization. And then maybe it's three months, six months, a year later, you realize that there may be a better fit somewhere else in your organization. So um, move them around. So the corporate ladder, as we once all heard, is now becoming the corporate lattice. Can, can we put people in the right spots in the organization to allow them to excel uh, without having to let them leave the company and then kicking ourselves in the behind saying, oh, they would have been perfect here. So what we're looking for there is um, using your internal staff and every 12 to 24 months, you know, looking at where your company is growing and do you have people that can fit that? And it also leads to innovation. If you look at some of the Fortune 500s, they move people from legal to procurement to IT and it brings different thoughts in. And I think that's super important for folks. I mentioned earlier to the boomerang employees, and I think this is interesting too, Rob, is um, there's some stats out there through Corn Ferry that one in five employees left their comp- one in five employees who left have come back to their current, their, their employer. So um, what we're encouraging people to do is build talent communities. Those that, um, that have left the organization under good, under good terms, of course, you follow them on LinkedIn, you create a talent community out there for they, they can stay in touch with your organization. This also applies to those people that retired that may want to do project-based work. Build those communities, watch these, these people develop, especially the younger workforce that might come in and you know jump around a little bit to get that experience. Five years from now, they might be the perfect candidate for one of your leadership roles. So have you have you developed that communication with them? You know, one of one of the platforms we use a lot is LinkedIn. 
you know, everyone, I think I just saw 900 million people are now on LinkedIn, crazy stat, but how are you, how are you building candidate pools out of that to say, I know I'm going to need this talent. I know Rob had that talent when he left the company. I'm going to follow him. I'm going to engage him. I'm going to get him on our newsletter. And at some point, maybe he comes back. Really great thought. And it's, it always goes back to that idea of also don't burn a bridge because you just never know that the highway can be so unique where it can turn us back to. Absolutely. All right, Chris, what does the new world of work mean to you and how does it impact your access to talent? Great question. I mean, I think we all know, you know, automations and robotics and AI is all here. I mean, it's part of our normal life and our personal professional life. So what you're seeing, um, how that's going to access talent moving forward is kind of already hinted on it. The non-traditional candidates one way, but the gig economy has really created in the last three years, a lot of specialized IT workers went out on their own. They created their own corporations, their 1099s, et cetera. So how are you as a company engaging that talent? In the U.S., for the most part, everyone looks at, I want someone to be a W-2 employee working for my organization. Great model. It's worked for you know hundreds of years. What we're encouraging people to do now, especially in IT, where there's a lot of project-based work, and the reality, most tenure of those folks is two to three years max, so aren't we all contractors, is what I kind of joke about, is engage the gig economy to do a lot of your project-based work. You know it's going to be completed in 12 to 18 months. Bring in the best talent that can do it, you know, potentially better and faster. Allow your current staff to, to do other projects or do the maintenance work as, as it is developing over there over time. But that, that's the one area I see that companies are struggling with. They're still stuck. And I kind of go back to that blockbuster example I gave you yeah. is, well, I want them to be an employee of mine so I control everything. Well, in your personal life, what are we doing? We, we, we have someone change our oil, cut our hair, do our, uh, cut our grass. So we're, we're doing that all the time in our personal life. Let's do it in the professional side too. Um, the other thing that we're seeing for access is this is more on the candidate side is the, their ability to communicate. The days of being hidden in the back room are over. Uh, when I hire, when we, our clients hire IT talent, they want people that can interface at all levels. So from the proverbial janitor to the CEO conversation is, do you have the ability to communicate at all levels? Can you adapt the way you're communicating? So if I know I'm dealing with a CEO, typically I want to be more directed to the point. When I'm dealing with some other fields, maybe I'm more social or process oriented. Um, that's what, you know, my sales team, when I'm looking at them is, uh, can you, you might prefer to talk this way, Rob, but you got to pivot this way when you're talking to these individuals yeah. to make it a one or make it a, a win-win situation. Sure. The one other area that's interesting, especially, um, if you think about the world we live in now, we live in snackable items. And what I mean by that is that the popularity of TikTok and YouTube is 30, seconds, 30 to 60 second videos. Uh, or, you know, what we're doing right now is a podcast instead of reading a, lo- a large book. And um, how is your organization appealing to a marketplace that does not want to read a six page uh, job description? Uh, they don't want to go through a three month interview cycle. What they want to do in a digital world is quickly see your organization. So can you have snackable items such as videos on YouTube and TikTok that show the culture, which I talked about earlier, show how your company works digitally or in, or in person, talks about the career growth, the voice, you know, you use your, your employees to do that. It also shows how they're valued and recognized. So people are asking for that. And you see the top companies that are hiring in a quick fashion and have these talent communities, they excel at that. And I think a lot of us are playing catch up. 
So I'm encouraging them to get, get, get in the digital world because in your personal life, you know, I'll share with you. Um, I have an 11 year old son who got a TikTok a year ago. Um, I didn't really know what TikTok was. So I'm like, I got to check this thing out. It was the biggest mistake I ever made because I wasted at least 30 <laughs> minutes a day looking at silly stuff. But, you know, I also think laughter is an important thing. And uh, I, I tend to get that from my TikTok resources. Um, <laughs> the other, this is also leading to, you look at the job boards out there, Rob, you know, the monsters, the is dice, they're all great sites, but uh, people that are passively looking are putting their resume there, but they will follow you through TikTok, through YouTube, through LinkedIn channels. So if you want access to the talent, you got to think in a different way. That's, that's so well said. Uh, it's such a, such a big world. Uh, Chris, what what steps should organizations be taking to explore alternative routes to talent acquisition? Some of which you just hit on, in fact. What steps can they take to future-proof their program? Well, number one is, you know, every six to 12 months, review your total compliance. They're, they're changing quickly. What people are looking for based on stage in life, it's a combination of base, the benefits to uh, hybrid work schedules. Are you Are you in line with the competition? Uh, number two is review your, your talent development and career succession plans. Um, do you have, can you move people around to create the innovation you're seeking? Um, do you have the internal mobility plans that do there? Um, for succession planning and, and, and both of those things, in, internship programs are, are, you don't see them as talked about as much as you used to. Mm. Um, I, I've seen a, a return to bringing in interns earlier. I'm also seeing in the IT sector, Rob, people or companies getting involved with boot camps. And this goes down to the, you know, uh, I, I had my, some of my kids were in boot camps a couple of years ago at seven, eight years old doing coding, getting them interested at an early age of how to code basic stuff. And then they elevate up and you follow these, these kids over their, their elementary, middle school and high school careers. And, you know, they graduate high school and, and some of these, these individuals are getting offered jobs with major companies making some pretty good paychecks and, and the, the company will pay for their college from there. So engaging at an early stage, especially in IT, what is the uh, developer boot camps looking like? Putting your logo and sponsoring them, having some of your people go train them and watching these people go. It's kind of like college football where they're recruiting kids in middle school and watching them for eight, six to seven years as they get to the, the level they can be. Um, the other thing we look at the future proof is, you know, review your website. Um, you look at many websites out there. I go back to the analogy I shared earlier about Blockbuster and VCRs. You know, your website, is it outdated? Is it, uh, can I click in two clicks and apply without having to pull my hair out? Um, does, does your website talk about the why of what you do? This goes to what I talked about earlier, the purpose out there. People want to know why you do what you do. Uh, what's the outcomes they should work, have from working with you? These are all things you can do better on your career page. Keep the talent you have. It's so hard to get talents, you know, develop and mentor and train that and you know, just go through all the steps you're supposed to be doing there. Look at non-traditional candidates I spoke about before. Uh, bringing in neurodiverse people is going to create a lot of loyalty, a lot of things that are, are good for candidates and, and innovation in your company. And then the other parts we talked about in, you know, a lot in this conversation so far is the skills-based candidate-centered job models, having the candidate pools out there having a strategy for the 1099s, the IC independent contractors, the gig workers, as I mentioned, yeah. um, if you're not engaging that with that workforce, you're missing out and you're, I tell you your competition is, and that's why they're, they're getting market faster and better than you. Any, anything you'd like to add, you, there's so much great information here, but kind of put a, put a wrap on it for me, if you could. 
Yeah, I, I just go back to I, I, when I talk to individuals is look at your personal life and how much has changed in the last three, four or five years, especially the last three with the pandemic. And the same is happening in the business world. So AI automation is here to be. Uh, hybrid hybrid workforce is here to be. How is your organization working to attract people to you? How are you speaking to candidates or the talent market to say, here's what's cool about our company? Here's why you should consider working for us. Here's what we do for the community. Um, here's how you get a voice. Uh, here's our digital media platform on, on TikTok or YouTube, um, ways people can engage you. Um, what we look at with, you know, internally at, at Procom is our LinkedIn followership. So we've doubled in the last six months because we're engaging with people to say, you know, let's be, I'll be honest. When I came out of college, I never knew what the recruiting industry was about. I fell into it. I love it. And now we're preaching to these individuals. If you haven't thought about it, here's why you should. And, you know, how many 25 year olds can make six figures and, and recruiting and staffing you can. Um, so it's not meant for everyone, but, um, you know, put, putting that that pitch out there, why you and why why someone should consider you is very important. Great stuff, Chris, and and thank you again for joining the show today. And, and I hope this podcast provides our listeners with a strong understanding of your platform. I wish you and Procom continued success, and hope to host you on future podcasts and conferences as well. A lot of great stuff today. Thank you, Rob. That's all the time we have here today, alongside Chris Beckage of Procom. I'm Rob Adams, and this has been Talent Talks.